1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz Podcast. We're back here with another pre-season chat. Uh this time we're gonna focus it mostly on transfers because it's exciting. We're in the we're in the transfer window. Uh Jordan and Tom here alongside me. Guys, this kind of period. It's really exciting, isn't it? But I suppose a lot of Watford fans at the minute are a little bit annoyed that they uh, they haven't heard anything in terms of concrete signings that have been made just yet. So people are a little bit nervous, should we say.
2: It's fair to say there's a few that are on edge at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure when they get into this, the, the more we go on for this, this conversation. But yeah, I think there's kind of two camps of people that are, there's those that are, well, maybe three, actually. There are those that are cautiously optimistic and, and, and patient. There's the other group, which is kind of losing it a little bit at the fact that we haven't got these players through the door and, and ready to be there for the beginning of preseason. season Then those, I think, kind of in between and fluctuate back and forth, which I think is probably where most people are, actually. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting time, to say the least.
0: Tom, more departures that uh, have been announced so far than incomings. Uh, what's your opinion on that?
3: I think it's necessary business, isn't it? I don't think we expected necessarily all the players that have gone to go, but I think we expected probably most of them, didn't we? When we put out our our depth chart at the kind of end of the summer, sorry, end of the summer, I don't wish the summer away, end of the season, um, you know, most of the guys that have left, we kind of had shaded in orange or red, either could go or will go. I think the big one obviously is Kucho Hernandez going is a kind of big surprise to everyone thought he was someone that would stick around for another year. Mm. Um personally I you know and I'm interested to hear what you guys say I don't have a problem with that deal because you know we've kind of bought him for peanuts he's been here for one season where he did perfectly okay and we've made kind of 9 to 10 million pounds off of him so that's that's good business if that allows um Rob Edwards to bring in the players that he wants. Uh and, and then pretty much everyone else it's been expected, hasn't it? You know, I think Zinkenagle's future was always up in the air. Sissoko we expected to leave. Saar and Dennis, we still expect to leave. Josh King we knew was gonna go. It's there's been nothing that surprising apart from the Cucho deal for me.
0: Mm. What was your take on the Kucho deal, John?
2: Um, I think I think Britain was a Tom there. I, I don't think it was um a bad deal. I think there's always going to be a little bit of disappointment. It's a player that's at a good age that you feel could contribute something to a, to, to our attack in a championship. And I think he would have been an asset. But having said that, I think the the fact that the club came out and had that kind of statement from Gioretta explaining the, the reasoning behind the deal and the input from Edwards and just the kind of little behind-the-scenes look at their squad-building strategy and adding some context as to why they got rid of them or why they moved on, uh, combined with the price that was actually offered the, the fee that was given to us I think it, it made a lot more sense so adding the context to the to the deal I think it uh, I think it ended up being quite a, a sensible reasonable move uh, and it definitely helped to just to have that extra level of communication so I, I don't feel too bad about it I, I think I could have been happy either way honestly if he'd have stayed there'd be enough positives to talk about there but even with him going there's still there's still elements that you can like about that deal for us as well.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think probably one of the the points that Watford fans are disappointed about is that he was one of the few shining lights of last season in a, in a season, you know, full to the brim of of rubbish. Really, wasn't it? So it was.
2: Yeah, that's true. It, it was.
0: It was quite nice, and then to see that taken away from us. Uh, I guess I can get where people are coming from that are on the disappointed side of the line because, uh, you know, I guess he kind of encapsulated that hope that we have for this coming season, and now that feels like some of that hope has been taken away
3: that's exactly it Matt he encapsulated some of that hope didn't he he you know he ran around like a blue ass fly and the the absolute minimum you want to see is someone that does that you know he seemed to like it here you know based on not much but he seemed to like it and seemed to get it and again people people love that so you know it was almost I think those factors rather than his actual um, production I think that people kind of fell in love with for me anyway.
2: I think it's also been the idea of Chucho Hernandez for a while too, that he's been a Watford player for so long, but not playing for us. There was always a a wondering if, oh, is this going to be the season that Hernandez is part of us? You know, even the the last season, the championship, there were questions as to whether uh, he'd be kind of part of that squad and hopes when he wasn't. So I think there was so much waiting. And when he finally did come and he actually was, you know, quite decent. I I think there was just that extra little element of people wanting to see kind of a full season with him being more of a central figure. But yeah, it is what it is.
0: We'll still have the memories of that uh, amazing overhead kick, though.
2: And his and his first his debut goal as well was good, wasn't it? That he had was a, good as well, very yeah, a good. Of good yeah. Moments, yeah. yeah,
0: he was certainly a player that could score a good goal. Thankfully, he hasn't gone to one of our rivals though, so you know we can wish him the best of luck at Columbus Crew. So, you know, all the best there. Um, another player that's left, and maybe another surprise, but perhaps less so, is Philip Zinkenargel, who um, kind of was dealt a bad hand at Watford.
2: Yeah, I mean he he. It's just a kind of unfortunate timing. I think he clearly wasn't favoured for um, for the premiership premiership season for us, so that loan made sense. And I think he, I think he did really well at Forest. I, I watched a fair bit of him there this season, I thought he he really excelled in in that central position. And I thought he was a player again could have been useful for us, but kind of under the same kind of in the same sort of category as Hernandez. The only difference between the two deals is that I, I feel the, the compensation we got for Hernandez was much better, two million euros i believe it was was pretty pretty low fee it feels like for zinc yeah but you know this, this is the thing if we are if we are really kind of getting behind or starting a project you know as we as we like to discuss and we've asked for for so long is to see a more longer plan approach then sometimes you kind of have to you have to be a little bit ruthless and if if edwards didn't feel like that was a play that he wanted to use or that he didn't wouldn't get enough out of to make his his spot worthwhile then you know, these are the things, the decisions we have to make and they're, they're difficult and they might make a few of us unhappy in the in the short term and kind of looking at it as an isolated move, but it, it might be better for the squad overall. So a little bit of a surprise, uh, again, could have been useful, but, you know, I think we have to just try and take it and look at it kind of in context, what we're trying to do in a larger scale.
0: Two million does seem very low, doesn't it, Tom? I mean, particularly when he had a few years on his contract.
2: Yeah, that's the only thing I think with this one,
3: isn't it? But then... <sighs> A bit like houses, footballers are only worth what someone's willing to pay for them. And I'm, um, you know, I'm sure they wouldn't have bitten Olympiakos's hand off, you know, without kind of testing the water elsewhere or, or first of all, you know, I imagine there would have been a, a rough plan of what his uh, future looked like, you know, before he came back from his loan spell at Forest. Was there going to be interest from Forest and so on and so forth? But if that's the best that they thought they were going to get for him, then you just kind of got to accept it, I think, haven't you? And you know, if the argument, I guess, might be, oh, well, use him for the year or park him out on loan again. But, you know, park him out on loan doesn't necessarily, um, you know, appreciate his value. And and we know from what has been said, and, and, and Jordan, you mentioned it in relation to Kucho, but the, this kind of rule of 11 and the, the communication that's been around that, that <clears throat> we need to, you know, trim the number of non-homegrown players in the squad. So if someone's prepared to offer you money for a guy... I almost see it as money for Old Rogue because there's a guy that wasn't here last season, you know, couldn't necessarily have said we were going to be able to count on this year. Um, it's, yeah, it's kind of background income, isn't it? Um, it's just a shame because I think in the sense that we've, we we saw him in the championship last time and thought there's someone who's ready to really flourish. Um, and he's, he's never kind of had the opportunity, but
2: that's football. No, and if you're also looking at players that are available and homegrown and so on, and these players you want to be able to have in the matchday squad... You look at that central midfield, that attacking midfield position. I mean, I think the fact that, um, that Zinchenko is not being kept around is another indication that we we won't be playing um, with kind of out and out wingers. Which obviously Zinchenko's played in before. It will be looking at him as that attacking midfielder. We have other options there. In um, yeah, Pedro can possibly play there. We have Espria coming. Domingos Quina, obviously homegrown. Like, there's a lot of a lot of bodies are filling that space. And if he looks, at all, if we look at all three of those as assets. Um, in terms of, kind of what they can do for us obviously Pedro plays in other positions Espria young player supposedly Rob Edwards is quite keen on um, he might be getting you know, a fair few minutes in the younger younger project and Domingos Quino who's homegrown you, you, kind of, you kind of start to look at it at a, at a micro level when you can see where these decisions are made and once that decision is made then you know you have to facilitate a deal and if 2 million is what you get for him that's as you say Tom if that's what people are willing to pay uh, it's quite a low fee and it's you know, somewhat surprising that, that Forrest weren't interested for that sort of fee but um, we have to kind of, as I said, be a little bit pragmatic, be a little bit harsh and, and restructure things and, and reshape the squad. And I think that's just a, an early one to get done and relatively easy to get done, especially with that sort of low low asking price.
0: Am I right in saying that we brought him in relatively cheap? Was it on a free? Yeah. In, w- in which case, from a business point of view, I mean, two million is, is you know, it, it's quite, quite nice really isn't it, yeah. to take something for free and, and make two million on it.
2: With his wages and signing on bonus, he probably kind of, you know, kind of close to breaking even on a player that, that was involved in the squad that, that got you promoted. So that's
0: a good point. I always forget about the, uh, the salary and,
2: and. Yeah, they do the add kind of things up, things, I'm yeah. afraid.
0: You're right. You're right.
2: <laughs> but free agents can be expensive signings in some ways, and that, that one wasn't too bad for us. So I think it was, um, you know, not amazing business, but not terrible business too. It's just one that didn't quite work out. We all quite liked him, and, you know, well, a lot of us quite liked him. So I think a bit like Hernandez. We all kind of hope for something a little bit more, but...
0: Well, at least we haven't lost yeah, money on him. That's but. true. Um, Tom, you mentioned there the rule of 11, and I think we'd all like to know a bit more detail about what that is, actually, if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, I wish I'd done my swatting up. It's, it, I mean, it's, <laughs> essentially, it is only that. It's only this. It boils down to this, and the qualifying criteria, you can go away and look up for yourself because it's not necessarily straightforward, but it is this. You can't have more than 11 non-homegrown players in... Uh, in your match day squad, so that's the match day. Is it going to be twenty in the championship next season or eighteen? I don't. know. I can't remember if we're up to nine subs or not. Now I think it's but, twenty, isn't it? But yeah, I think it is as well. So the match day twenty that you name starting and subs, which is obviously you know the majority. If it's if it's eighteen and, and even if it's twenty players, so the the key thing is obviously we as we know we have we have built a squad over a period of time that is quite eclectic in in nationality and so on and so forth. And that has has served us well, but it's just another layer of complication. I think Rob Edwards, to his credit, and, you know, there's been a lot of things he said that have really impressed me and have really kind of cut to the nub of the issue. But this has probably been one of the biggest ones is, you know, he doesn't want to be in a position next season or this season as we're now in, where he's having to pick between players essentially based on nationality and and or homegrown status i suppose is more accurate and i think that's right because you know it should be based on who is fit available playing well and does does the job that he wants to do not you know were you born in this country or were you born elsewhere because it's just you know it's, it's 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 bureaucracy essentially and that shouldn't be a determining factor in who makes the cut or not and it's not good to have you know those conversations with a player on a match day is it say oh I'm gonna have to pick so and so even though he's not in as good a form as you and whatnot because I need to make up the homegrown numbers in the squad and 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 he plays in your position so kind of unlucky it's just not it's just not sensible it's not uh, it's not rational it's not logical so that's the the kind of nub of it it's I think we're going to be you know hearing a lot of it because you know you look at that squad and there are only a handful of players that qualify as as homegrown, so we obviously need to do some work in in that respect, and I, I wonder if that will be a factor in our recruitment as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's here to kind of stay, and we have to evidently deal with it. So that's been a, a presumably a determining factor in several of these uh, departures, not just uh, not just that of Kucho uh, and Zinkenagel.
0: And to clarify, this is a ruling for the Championship. It's not something that the Premier League adheres to.
3: No, Premier League is different. You have to have, what is it, eight homegrown players in your squad of 25, and then there's no limitations in terms of match day. I believe that's right. I hope it's right.
2: Someone will tell us if we're wrong, if I'm wrong. <laughs> the the term rule of 11 has quite a mythical feel to it to me. It does, doesn't it's it? It's really, yeah, really fantasy. Fellowship
0: of the 11.
2: What, the 11, yeah, it's just very, very Lord of the Rings. No, There's man. your I podcast title for this week. <laughs> <laughs> it was eleven. It was eleven rings to rule them all. I find that was that's the opening. Isn't yeah, it? I think it was. Yeah, yeah. was it seven? Oh.
0: No, 11, no, no, it was eleven. It was eleven. I think
2: it was eleven. Yeah, Lord of the Rings, well, poor man's Harry Potter. We'll save. We should really save this for <laughs> our, our Lord of the Rings podcast. But um yeah, we will be covering the new season or the, the starting season of uh, Lord of the Rings starting in September. If you want to tune into that one as well, but I guess we should get back to Watford. Um, what were we talking about? I've lost my track now. <laughs>
0: uh, players exiting. Uh, we'll, we'll move on, sorry. we? Um, we've got Joshua King up next. I kind of, I think we kind of expected him to leave. But some people might have thought he, he would have stick around. Personally, if I was Joshua King, I I would have fancied uh, a spell in the championship. I think it could have done his um, his credit no harm at all in in terms of trying to get back to where he was. But um, he he didn't fancy it, and uh, he's moved on with the club's good graces. I wonder as well if. Maybe, Sal, if he had something to do with it, he only signed a one-year deal, which mm. means probably he wasn't open to the clause in terms of dropping down to the championship should that happen, do you think, maybe?
2: Yeah, I think Josh King's the stage of his career where he he, he wants to get paid, and that's not a cynical, negative comment on, on King. It's completely understandable, but you know, he's still, he, it's kind of a similar situation, obviously a little bit younger, but a similar situation to Welbeck for me. It's just a player that's for an opportunity to play some Premier League football, um, kind of had some insurance in terms of his contract at a short-term deal There's a breakaway should he want to leave if we got relegated it was worth the go and there's another year of Premier League football for him and I think he'll kind of do something similar next season too is what I'd imagine when I, I think we kind of expected that going in and it works well for both parties to be honest with you uh, not signing him to a, to, to a longer-term deal he only would probably accepted a, a higher-paying deal with some more assurances about being relegated so I think if he was to be playing for us this season it would be at quite a cost probably more than what the club see fit or or see his value out at this point of his career. I'd be
3: very interested to know where he ends up next, because he's obviously, you know, had quite a dramatic fall from grace from that January where Man United had a 20 or £25 million bid for him turned down by Bournemouth, hasn't he? Obviously, you know, got relegated with Bournemouth, didn't want to be there, was kind of out of the picture. I think did a bit of a capoo, didn't he, and had to kind of save face, uh, you know, come into the team and play a bit. Got his move to Everton, didn't get a look in, didn't score a goal. Come to us, you know Everton to us. Although we didn't finish that far apart in the table, in terms of status, is somewhat different. And then you know didn't have a brilliant season and a bad team, got relegated again. You know what's he? I could see
2: like a Brentford expecting? move. Yeah, maybe, maybe. That's not a bad shout. To us, I think I think he does offer something. There were he he wasn't he wasn't a constant threat by any means. It was really hard to judge King last season based on how bad the rest of the team were too. But I do think there are, there are large there were quite a few games where I, I thought he was a real he put in some real complete uh, performances. I think he'd, he'd do very well in, in an Edward side, to be honest. But I think um, as a as a player that offers a little bit of a little bit of everything in the forward position, he used his body a little bit better than I thought he did. He was actually better at holding up the ball and leading the line than I thought he would be for us. So I'd say if you're kind of a, a newly promoted or a team looking to avoid relegation, you have a striker like Josh King. who can. Who can help you out in certain situations. I think you could do a lot worse. Um, but again, it's probably be on like a shorter term deal. But if I was if I was a club like Leeds or Brentford or so on, I'd be looking at that sort of player and and seeing what what you could get from him. I, I think it'd be a, a reasonable move. But I'm, I'm sure kind of it will come down to him. Will be what salaries he getting paid and, and who's who's offering the most security. Maybe Brighton or Southampton as well. I don't know. Yeah, these are all teams that I think he's a viable option. I mean, the same under the exact same circumstances to which we signed him. Honestly
0: yeah okay then um okay probably in a similar light to, to Joshua King really
2: yeah <laughs> yeah you go ahead this one time
3: I don't think rus is that bad and maybe I was kind of blinded by because there's been a lot of kind of frustration around him right but and maybe I was blinded by the fact that he always seemed to you know charge around at hundred miles an hour and I think more than a lot of players visibly seemed secure at least I don't but I don't think he was was that bad. Um, I think a lot of frustration with him was around the kind of perception that towards the end of the season, this is, you know, the final throws of the season that maybe he didn't care and he was a poor captain and, and so on and so forth. But yeah, you know, he's won the world cup. We talked about it before. It's a, I thought it was a good move on our behalf to um, get him in, in the first place. And then, you know, put him in a, put him on a contract, sorry, that meant that we weren't, you know, kind of weighed down by him in the eventuality that, we uh, got relegated and, and and so it's proven. So kind of no no crying over spilt milk for me. It's it's probably for the best for everyone. The fact that we've managed to, again, recoup a couple of million and, and by all accounts, I think it was Andrew French that reported he turned down other moves so that we could get a fee for him. You, you know, fair play to him. Another another couple of million here, a couple of million there. You know, by the time you tot all this up and we've obviously got the Richarlison money to come as well, um, it, every little helps, as a supermarket once said.
2: <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I mean, actually, yeah, as you say, you look at all those little individual kind of little dealings we've had. I mean, we're probably racking up close to, you know, 20 million before we've even sold the likes of Dennis and Sar. So, yeah, I mean, it does add up. And these are all kind of relevant deals. I think I don't think cycle was bad either at all. I think he was not necessarily the answer to our problem in, in certain situations. And we also had a pretty poorly functioning midfield in general so it didn't help any of the players involved in it so i think he was uh he was fine and it, i think two million and getting some money for him as you said i think it's good business for us we definitely wouldn't want to keep him around on the, on the contract he's on so
0: no um no i th- i think you know he leaves with, with the club's good graces um and you're right tom he did he did he did he did decent for us but um you know it would have taken a lot more than that to to keep us up last season um Right, let's move into the uh, the goalkeeping department, where there seems to be uh, a little bit of a shift happening. Uh, We've lost Ben Foster. Um, we knew that he was going to be leaving, but we weren't perhaps that sure that Rob Elliot would be leaving. But uh, he has uh, departed this week, and um, I-, I think that comes as a little bit of a surprise to me. But uh, I-, I thought as though he had a chance to step up to number two, but I guess uh, it wasn't in the club's interest. Or, or, or...
2: yeah, I mean, I guess I, I guess it wasn't quite. The deal they wanted. I mean, I, I'm surprised a little bit too with him being with him being homegrown, um, and just I expect him to be third choice goalkeeper. But perhaps they wanted to go in a slightly younger direction. I mean, he is 36. Maybe they just wanted to go with a, a younger keeper. I think he's a pretty safe pair of hands to have as a third choice, even as you say potentially second choice. But at, at this point, it wouldn't surprise me if if we do see uh you know, Dolberg sticking around as that third or even even potentially second. And then also, uh, as we kind of will discuss, I'm sure, the back when situation is still rare to be unclear. So I would imagine the club are looking at Elliot as a third choice and maybe the contract was too high. Maybe they just wanted to kind of give minutes or training time to someone younger. Not quite sure, but I, I am a little bit surprised as well.
0: There were speculations in the paper, Tom, um, about reasons why Elliot might have been let go. Do you want to elaborate on what that might be and if there's any water to that, do you think?
3: Well, I presume, I haven't seen this. I've only seen on Twitter, but I imagine it's the same thing. The, the suggestion that he, you know, this is kind of a disciplinary matter and, and that's why he's left, mm. right? Is, that, is yeah. that what you're alluding to? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't, you know, I've got no insight into whether there's anything into that or not. I would have thought if there was, the club would say, you know, clubs are, you know, if they want to get rid of someone because of a disciplinary issue, they'll, they'll generally say it, won't they? Or, or you know, punish someone for... A breach of conduct they would generally say and, and everything that I've ever heard about Rob Elliott from from people in the Northeast when I lived there and he was at Newcastle is that he's a great pro great guy to have around the place and so on and it's all those kind of factors that make me surprised that he's left because you know that third choice is a very that kind of third choice goalkeeper it's a, it's a bit of a niche and a bit of a profession in itself now isn't it there's a there's a kind of cabal of goalkeepers that go around and, and have gone around for a few years doing that. Um Stuart Taylor obviously did it for a bit. Rob Green, uh, Richard Wright at Man City at one stage. They've got someone Oh I um, the books
0: there for years, wasn't he, That's
3: it uh, else now. Scott Carson, haven't they? You know, the, the value of being experienced, not gonna want to play, not gonna cost the earth, homegrown preferably as well, so they're not, you know, wasting in effect. Um a precious uh, non-homegrown spot. So I'm really surprised. The, the one thing I would add to this, though, is that the um, the statement from the club said that he was thinking about potentially retiring. So uh, if that's the case, then so be it. But again, mm-hmm. for someone who's been a kind of not a career third choice by any means, but you know, in in the latter stages of his career, has been pretty staunchly um, an emergency goalkeeper. I'm, I'm quite surprised about that. And as we say that the backman situation is kind of intrinsically linked to this if we lose backman as well we're going to have lost all three senior goalkeepers from last season one way or another and, and you know again probably not going to mourn any of their departures but it's suddenly a big um big turnover in that department and and you would reasonably assume that if backman isn't number 1 this season he's not going to be thrilled about the possibility of sticking around and playing second fiddle to yet another goalkeeper
0: so what's the latest on the Backman situation? It seems to have gone a bit quiet there from Man United's end. Uh,
2: yeah, it, it seems that's gone a little bit quiet. I mean, I think the reports were uh, that interest has kind of died down a little bit. And I don't really think, I don't think it's one that the club would necessarily, it's not a player that the club are actively pursuing an exit for, I don't think. I think it's just a situation where that potential deal arose and they were entertaining it based on the feel involved. But if he's not, any he lo- if he's no longer wanted by United, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Backman stick around. Most with you, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure on this deal, but um, it seems like it's not progressing at least at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it seems like if he's being told that he's going to be number two at Watford, then you might as well be number two at Man United, right? I mean, you'll probably get paid more and you'll get the chance to maybe play yeah. uh, Europa League matches. Yeah,
3: he's a perfectly serviceable number two, isn't he? And, and if he's happy doing that, and you know i guess as a goalkeeper you have to have a certain amount of belief that you're going to dislodge the guy ahead of you don't you given the the the, the fact there's only one slot in the team so you know you, you would reasonably assume he's going to say well i've i've done it once i've taken over from ben foster who was very established at that stage and he was the kind of the rookie in that sense so um you know why why not again and it, you know it's probably not a completely foregone conclusion that maduka Okoye is the number one we expect him to be the number one but you know if you know, he, I don't know, rolls an ankle badly tomorrow and, you know, rules himself out for a few weeks, then, you know, suddenly it's advantage Backman, isn't it? Or, or worse. So, you know, anything could change. We're, we're still, you know, four weeks out from the season starting. So I'm sure Backman will, as a competitor, see it as the number one shirt's up for grabs. And, and, and it can't be a bad thing to have two goalkeepers really battling for that number one shirt because we haven't had that probably for a, a, a good while.
0: Into the realm of uh, potential exits, there are a couple more reports that have been uh, doing the rounds, uh, and they're not names that we uh, probably want to be uh, mentioned in, in, in potential exits. But the first one is Hassan Kamara, um, who Leon I believed to have an interest in. If was uh, it Le Keep? is that where you where you spotted that one time?
3: Yeah, Le Keep I mean it was only a kind of throwaway line, really, that he was an option. Um, because they they missed out on this Malaysia, is it? I'm I'm not quite sure how to say his name, the Dutch fullback that's going to Manchester United instead. Um but then I think even today I saw something suggesting that he wasn't now an option for Leon. Um you can understand why they'd be interested in him, certainly. You'd hope he'd stick around, not least because he's good, but also <laughs> Again, in terms of an area of kind of high turnover, if we expect Messina to depart based on his Instagram posts at the end of last season, and we expect Rose to depart because he's Danny Rose, suddenly you might be looking at, you know, replacing your whole left wingback um, kind of room. And um, that's a position that's evidently, or the wing backs are evidently a position that's going to be important to, to Rob Edwards' system. So I hope he sticks around, but uh, I wouldn't be entirely surprised if someone made an offer that we couldn't turn down.
2: Yeah, I don't think it goes. I, I think the club will feel good about what they have uh, at left back and or left wing back in this case. And it, it's just not really worth it to us to sell and then have to find a kind of replacement and someone that fits in as well as as Kamara can and has done so far. I think it's just too much. I don't think there's going to be a club that's going to pay what we actually kind of would, would see fit the what uh, well, I don't think anyone's going to pay what we value him at basically and I think we're probably going to have him stick on that left-hand side and be ready to go for the start of the season the club also seem to be pushing the uh the Kamara content on the on the pre-season videos recently as well I just I just don't see this one happening to honestly I think it's going to he's going to stay with us
0: uh, and then another name that's been mentioned is, is jao Pedro potentially with an exit to Porto or Benfica
2: yeah again I don't think it's going to happen I think Pedro is someone that we are basing our attack off somewhat he's gonna be a key member of that he's also an asset that is still appreciating he's someone that can be a useful player for us if we get if we did get promoted i'd look at pedro as quite similar to to how we handled sar uh, last time we got relegated someone that we think is definitely worth keeping with us because a you're still able to retain value but b he's someone that can help you win games immediately uh, and and b a big component of that attack, so I don't think we're going to sell him unless a, a, an astronomical offer came in, uh, which I don't think is is as likely as it was even for Sar at the time.
0: You agree with that one, Tom?
2: Yeah, I want, took the words out of my mouth there, really. Jordan doesn't
3: say what we value him at. I don't think other clubs would yet. So unless he's agitating, I don't see a reason to sell him. I think that report from Team Talk, which I think is like a subsidiary of Sky was talking about uh, kind of £34 million. And I just don't think he's got enough of a body of work yet to back that up. We might, you know, seeing him week in, week out, we might say, yeah, his potential kind of aligns with that price. But yeah, I just don't think other clubs will take that gamble on him yet. A guy with kind of one Premier League season and one Championship season in Europe under his belt, it's not, uh, it's not a goer. So thankfully, I think he is one that is going to stick around.
0: OK, then that's the departures out of the way uh, and potential departures. Uh, apart from, of course, Graham Stack, who uh, who left the goalkeeping uh, coaching department to, to take up a, a first team role at, uh, was it Cardiff or Swansea? Or... It was somewhere in Wales, wasn't it?
3: Cardiff. It was Cardiff yeah, Cardiff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, um, bit of a miss, I think. There. I'm, I'm not quite sure why, why we weren't able to get a deal done, but um, I always rated him as a, as a coach.
3: I love Graham Stack because I know him quite well from Barnet, and he's a great guy. So, we're we're poorer for him. Biggest loss of the offseason as far <laughs> as I'm concerned.
0: Um. Okay then. Well, let's talk about some incomings then. A bit more of a bleaker page, but we can talk about some potentials that uh, have have been have been linked. But there's one that we think is a is a done and dusted deal, although there's no uh, confirmation yet, and we're going to talk about exactly why we think that is. Uh, but that's Vacun Bio or, or uh, Vacun, Vacun Bayo? Vacun Bio?
2: Vacun Bio, I'd say. Yeah. Vacun
0: Bio? I'm not sure. We'll learn. I'm sure we'll learn. But it seems to be done, this one, Tom.
3: Yeah, it seems to be. Rob Edwards has talked about him, hasn't he, in, in, in kind of terms that suggest it's done? And, and managers are usually reticent to talk about players that aren't their own unless they're Harry Redknapp. So we have to assume it's done. Um, must admit, <laughs> when. He came up. I hadn't heard of him. And indeed, in our WhatsApp group, when uh, the name was mentioned as it was kind of being reported, I thought it was an entirely different player altogether. Um, so I've had to kind of hastily have a bit of a dig into his career and, and whatnot. And he's an interesting one, isn't he? Because he, he's kind of not... Done anything um, of note in in the UK? He came to Celtic and struggled, not helped by injuries. There was a change of manager from Brendan Rogers to I was about to say Aaron Lennon, but it was obviously Neil Lennon. Um, and but then he's gone and kind of rebuilt his reputation, I think, a little bit in uh, in Belgium. And of course, we have to mention uh, he's a moji buyer, um, special. Uh, so we think, as you alluded to, Matt, that he will only be kind of unveiled after today. We're recording on June thirtieth to let daylight in upon magic and we think that he will only be unveiled after that date because his contract with uh Charleroi. Charleroi something else only starts today after he yes. signed permanently um with them. As That's a, right.
0: It's an exciting day for him. He gets to sign for two yeah, clubs in two. It's pretty good days. going
3: actually, isn't it? Um
0: <laughs> yesterday he was again to player today a Charleroi player tomorrow, a Watford. Player. Yeah, as <laughs> as Adam
3: Leventhal reported, you should say that's not based on any kind of inside information. Um, so yeah, bit of a bit of a strange one. I mean, uh, what do you guys think of him? The little bit I watched on Why Scout, he looks like he could do some damage in the Championship. Sort of seems to have the physique, you know. Works, seem to work hard off the ball. Scores different types of goals. Quite quick. Can hold the ball up, uses his body, I thought. I, I, I was reasonably sort of encouraged, albeit, you know, trying to watch someone from one league and, and ascertain how they're gonna fit into another league and team and so on is difficult. But yeah, what do you guys reckon?
2: Yeah, I liked. I try to watch a, a fair amount of him since the kind of rumors started ramping up and it sounded more and more like he was actually signed. And yeah, I quite I quite like what I've seen. He's he's quite a rangy, unorthodox, long legged a striker, someone that he can hold the ball up. He's good in the air, for sure. But he, he's someone that, for me, looks best when he's running down on goal and, and breaking the line with, or getting behind the line. Uh, he can make runs in quickly. He, he moves well. He holds the ball. He shields the ball well. When he's running with it, he's hard to, he's hard to tackle and he's, he's, he's easy to bring down at the wrong times. Uh, I think he's a player that would offer us some threat. And as he said there, Thomas, as well, for me, I think one of the big things is that he, he gets shots away from different angles uh, with his head, both feet. He can just be a nuisance. And I think if you're looking at a, a striker, and especially when we're looking at one most likely playing in the front two, uh, I think there's a lot of upside to uh, to the, his kind of profile, the way he operates. I, I think he's an interesting signing. I can see, I can see what the club like in him. I think he could be useful for sure.
0: He's nicknamed the Crow. I'm not quite sure why that is, but he does look quite lanky. Reading into his stats, he's only actually six foot, but he looks a lot taller than that.
2: He's the tallest six foot guy I've ever seen. I feel like he—he yeah, yeah. he, he he is plays not long. six foot. No, I and mean, yeah. if if he is, he's got you know his body's about a foot because his his legs are his legs are pretty lanky, and that's what I mean. He's just a rangy sort of player, and he he carries the ball well. He's got a long stride. Um, he looks a little bit unorthodox, but you kind of go and look at his some of his best actions, some of his his highlights over the last few years, or his where he's been effective, and a lot of the time it is a you know, well-timed run uh chasing down a long ball or kind of all these situations where he's able to get that get down behind the defense and actually attack from that sort of position running through on goal which when you look at him you might think oh he's gonna be bigger bodied back to goal get the ball up to his chest but he's not really that as much for me but again he can be a threat in the box he he scored a lot of his head uh, he he kind of gets in dangerous positions and yeah, he's just a different start, sort of striker to what we have. And I think looking for different options and, and variation in terms of ways to get through on goal and, and get some shots away, I, I think he's a he's a decent asset, a good age, and sounds like a pretty, pretty reasonable fee.
0: I think the one question mark is that he has had a spell in British football previously at Celtic, and that didn't really go that well for him.
2: Yeah, I, I, although having a little bit of a further read into it, I do think there were... Um, from people that did watch him more, I think there was some more sympathy towards his his performances, and that he actually did weather in large portions as well. Plus, it was also a fair while ago too. He's he's, he's matured somewhat since then. You can imagine uh, he's he's a different player. He could even be you know fairly different in terms of in terms of ability at this stage of his career. He's now twenty five. He was pretty young when he was at Celtic, and I think. I don't know. I think we shouldn't judge him too harshly based on that. We can take some of the information from those sort of situations, but we just have to kind of look at him as, as recently as possible and then try and work how he fits in this team on anything, I'd say.
0: Okay, then that's the uh, one player that we think has already signed for Watford. Uh, it, we now have to kind of turn to speculation. Um, Adam Armstrong, then, is uh, someone that uh, has been speculated as coming from Southampton, probably on loan. Uh, it's come from The Sun, who aren't always um on top of their game when it comes to uh genuine reporting, but um
3: <laughs>
2: genuine reporting. <laughs> when it comes oh, to like news
0: <laughs> when it comes to news, yeah. But um I mean it it feels like it feels like one that could happen. I mean if you're Adam Armstrong and it hasn't worked out for you, you might think of you know a little dip into the championship to restart your career and you'd want to be looking at a team that's probably just come down from from the Premier League, someone like Watford. So, you know, maybe, maybe there's something there.
3: Yeah, what do you think on this one, Tom? I like it, if only from the on the basis that it feels like the sort of signing we never make, which is someone who would be, uh, you know, when he was in the Championship previously, you would have thought, oh, we've got no chance of getting him because he's a 15 or 20 million pound player. And so it proved in that he left Blackburn um, for Southampton and I found the step up a little bit hard. The only thing I'd say is, you know they had a similar thing with Che Adams, and then he had a a far better season the second time around. After I think was he linked with was he linked with Leeds pretty incessantly, and then kind of ended up staying at Southampton. And he's and he's kicked on. And you know I wonder if if you know if it, if that's not attracted to him, he might say, Do you know what, I'm gonna kind of stick it out, um, stick it out here. You know didn't make that many starts in the grand scheme of things, only only seventeen. Last season, previously scored 28 times in 40 games for Blackburn uh in the championship and 16 and 40 the season before that. A lot, lot smaller than uh Bayo, only five foot seven. But I thought the thing that kind of translated from Bayo to him or Bayo to him was that he, you know, kind of very um hardworking, kind of tenacious sort of player, was you know, wasn't going to just sort of become completely inactive, out of possession, wanted to Hassel and harry and press and whatnot and and the other thing i would say is um i thought i, I the thing i quite liked about him was that he could also do the other side and, and drop off a little bit in possession uh and link and link the play with people and you know just clever little touches in and around the box to get get you know teammates away and whatnot and just kind of good awareness and intelligence as well as evidently being a an excellent goal scorer so I quite like the look of this one and you know something something different but you can see maybe a a bit of a theme as well in the kind of strikers that we're being linked with which bodes well
2: yeah I think it's important to try and look at these links when we don't really know how accurate they are some might just be complete you know uh, nonsense some could be some could be legitimate but if you look at the, the, the players we're linked to, you can start to pull away or pull from them some sort of idea as to what we're looking for. And I think when you look at Armstrong, you see some similarities in terms of players like Art Cameron Archer, for example, uh, someone that's a little bit smaller bodied, threat in the box, can play from wide, can can drop it a little bit deeper, you say, Tom, and, and pick up the ball and actually carry the ball. Uh, lots of shots. He's a bit of a shot machine in in terms of how he plays. He likes to shoot from a lot of angles and he he wants, his first thought is always to shoot when he can, uh, which can be a a positive or a negative, depends how you want to play. But looking for a goal scorer or someone that does provide that sort of threat clearly to me seems to be uh, one of the kind of real focuses for this recruitment team right now i don't think bio will be the player they look at as that signing i think i'd still expect us to be continuing working in that in that area to try and find someone to play alongside whoever it is that starts up front um, but someone that's just a little bit more a little bit more ruthless and a little bit more shot heavy uh, i know i know bio actually does take quite a few shots but I'd expect someone to be a little bit more active in the box and, again, someone along the lines of Armstrong and Archer. So I think there could be some legs in this one. Whether or not it goes through remains to be seen, but I do like the idea at the very least.
0: Okay, good stuff. Um, another striker that's been mentioned uh, alongside those names has been Joel Piro from Swansea. Um, it does seem as though Swansea are willing to let him go, but for quite a hefty fee, something that Watford... Generally, don't do.
3: He looks great, um based again purely on kind of Y Scout clips. And I'd be very interested to hear what you think here. He seemed like the one where I couldn't, I could not see the kind of thread necessarily that linked him with Bayo and Armstrong. And, you know, we're obviously basing this on whether the rumours are true or not. But let's, you know, let's humour it and assume that we are looking at him as well he seemed like the one that was most kind of different for them. I, and, and what I mean by that is obviously he scores goals. He he did last season in the Championship, got 22 in 40 starts, but he also got a lot of assists uh, for a striker, six assists. Really kind of, you know, seemed to spend a lot of time dropping deep, uh, probably even more, or starting deep, probably even more than Adam Armstrong and and trying to, you know, help the midfield out, you know, seemed to have reasonable kind of vision. And also, I also sort of noticed tended to kind of hug the left-hand touchline and kind of come in field from there. And I I gather from reading around him that he started out as a left-back and a left midfielder when he was playing in Holland. So that maybe explains that. But then in terms of his kind of shooting and whatnot, the thing that really stood out to me was the kind of quality of his finishing insofar as he was very frequently seemed to be sort of really trying to pick out the corners love that kind of like cushioned first time finish into the corner. Would you know quite happily kind of arrive onto shots from the um, right hand side of the box as you see it. Open up his body and, and kind of whip it in the far corner. And, you know had to it, it, whereas maybe Bio seemed a bit you know more poachery and kind of was you know sc- so as you said Jordan scored quite a few headers and whatnot and different types of goals and whatnot. They seem to be a real kind of you know thread of consistency through the the sort of goals that Piro scored, obviously scored penalties and other types of goals as well. But yeah, just, and I don't mean any of that as a criticism because he's evidently a good player. But yeah, just, but if there were similarities between Bio and Armstrong, I thought uh, there was slight, you know, slight differences here. And you need different horses for courses, I suppose. So as I say, not a bad thing, but yeah, what, what did you make of him?
2: Yeah, my only hesitation just in regards to that sort of line of thinking was that I, I did think there's some similarities in terms of positions he likes to play. Uh, as as Pedro which would be one of my only concerns but you know there's also that's also what he maybe likes to do or perhaps what he was also kind of a mixture of that and also what what was asked of him at Swansea so I don't think there's a reason why he couldn't be brought in to to be more of a kind of play more of an advanced forward role be a little bit further up the pitch uh, and and stay a little further forward and still be somewhat involved in in link up play but I think as he as he pointed out there he's he's a good finisher um, he's got good quality finishing. He's a good technical striker of the ball. Uh, he can shoot from inside the box, outside the box. He, he likes to vary that, and he can be involved in a lot of areas. And I think if you're looking at someone that you're putting a fee down for at his age, potential future future fee for him, I, I think it's a it's sort of player that a team pushing for promotion and pushing to kind of rebuild their squad and, and change their approach. I think he's definitely someone we should be looking at. Uh, and I think the key thing too is when it was reported earlier, it must. Be, even last week now by Adam Leventer, uh, it was said that discussions were un- in underway in, in the sense that the club were actually speaking to Swansea regarding him. And I think the, the important takeaway there is that the club will know going into those discussions that a high fee will be involved. So clearly we're, we're okay to some to some extent to pay uh, a certain fee for a player. And I think, you know, you're looking at someone at like Perot, you're probably thinking at least uh, between 10 and 50 million. Uh, and if the club are looking to to pay for that sort of that sort of player then i think it's a good sign in, in terms of how we're looking to to move forward with our recruitment and perhaps these deals are taking a little bit longer for that reason uh, but I, I think he's someone that, again, that would be a, a useful acquisition for us. And you find ways to fit him in the team. So I think he's one of the he's one of the better strikers in the championship that the, the championship has to offer. And I think if he was playing for us, we'd be a better team for it.
0: Lovely. Um, the next person, uh, when I saw that there was a, a link with this guy, uh, I sort of did a double take because it's uh, a name that we've heard before. Papa Guy. But uh, it's not the Papa Guy that Watford once had on their books before. Uh, he made a swift exit to Marseille and lots of... Uh, tribunals had to take place. It's uh, Papa Habib Guy. Uh, Tom, I'll, I'll let you tell us all about him.
3: <laughs> when I saw his name, my the thoughts didn't go to Pat Guy, the midfielder. They went to Magai um, Gay, who used to play for Everton. I thought, fuck oh. me, is he still going around? Um, but no, three different players entirely. <laughs> um, <laughs> shock. Um, yeah, he's... Um, Another Belgian one, isn't he? Plays for right. I'm going to say. Again, similar in kind of physical profile, I thought, to Vakumbayo um, in the fact that he's a big boy. He is kind of on the internet at being six foot two, which he looks. Uh, right footer, scored five and 12 last season in the, the Belgian top flight, but only in just over a thousand minutes. No pens. The thing I thought with him is, and at 22, it kind of makes sense. I thought he looked very raw, very kind of gangly, um, you know, still kind of getting to grips with using that physique. You know, perhaps there's a bit of filling out to do there even as well. But there was some nice footwork. Um, I actually jotted down here, not particularly convincing airily, despite his size, based on the clips that I watched. And then when I looked at his numbers, um, he won... The eighth most aerial jewels of any forward in uh, Belgium last season per ninety, and was third for headed attempts per ninety. Obviously, that doesn't kind of speak for the quality of those aerial duels. I guess you can win it, bounces off your head, and goes out for a throw on. But um, evidently, better in the air than I maybe gave him uh, credit for. Interest. So an interesting one. I think more of a maybe more of a project if if we were to sign him.
2: Interesting. This is this is one I haven't had time to actually sit down and watch, so I honestly know nothing. So that so that's good to hear. It's interesting.
0: From the stats that you put down here, Tom, it, it, you know, and I was with uh, Jordan. I haven't had a chance to look at him, but it, you know, it, it looks like he's a you know a real prospect that uh, you know potentially could get some minutes with Watford this season in the Championship, and you know, really become a a decent player for us.
3: Yeah. He, don't get me wrong. He looked, he looked like, uh, he looked like there was something there. Certainly, you know, quite happy to run the channels, got in the box a lot as well. Um, I just, I just kind of thought there was a, an element of, um, you know, not being the finished article, which as I say, 22 is, is no crime. I imagine, you know, wouldn't cost the earth, uh, got a contract for another couple of years, say only 22, not playing for one of the kind of real big clubs in Belgium. Um, outscored his uh, or outperformed his xg as well which you know can kind of go both ways so i think that i think there's something there he's just a, a little bit a little bit different for me as i say but this was you know i'm watching 10 or 15 minutes of carefully curated clips on y scout so don't take my word as, as gospel is what i'm saying in other words i'm not nailing my uh my colors to the mast on this one
0: another one you might not nail your colors to the mast is uh... This next one, it's a bit, bit of a fanciful one, but um, I mean, I'd love it if it happened. Palmeiras midfielder Danilo, uh, 15 million euros. It's been it's been talked about, and I'm not quite sure how Watford's name ended up in this pack of names that were being mentioned. But uh, Milan and Marseille and Watford all interested. I mean, I'm yeah, you know, I don't, I'm not surprised. Watford are interested.
2: <laughs> I haven't seen this link at all. I feel like I did a um last I might have been last season before I think I did a thread yeah. on players I feel like I might have done something on him as a potential sign for us now I'm trying to remember if I actually did or not
0: well Tom you discovered the link why don't you tell us uh, what you think of it
2: yeah I must
3: admit I didn't watch him purely because and I put in the notes seems fanciful particularly when Milan and Marseille are linked too so I was hoping we wouldn't go too deep on him Um I'd just be surprised, and I don't mean this as a criticism, but I'd just be surprised if we spent 15 million euro on anybody this summer, wouldn't you? I think, you know, that I is. I
2: think there's a chance here. Honestly, I think there's you a record? chance we do. Okay. I think there's. I I just think the links that we've, the links to some of the players we've had, um, you know, I don't know if you're here, which I didn't know about, but some of the others too, uh, Piero. As I said, you know, the club is speaking to. If the club, but actively speaking to Swansea, they know that it's going to take that. They're not going in there thinking they can walk out of a deal for three million pounds and. Get anything done. They know they have to pay for these players, and if they don't, if they're not willing to pay something, then why even bother? Why even bother um, having those those, those sorts yeah. of discussions? So I do think that the club are uh, looking at that. And you know, one thing to to bear in mind is, last time we got relegated, you know, we didn't spend a bunch of money, but what we, we did do is we kind of made the decision of rather than spending um, a, a large amount, we're going to retain. One of our more expensive assets, and, and hope that that is the equivalent of having a signing, which it turned out to be effectively with this. meta Star, obviously, it worked out, but this time, you know, we, we're adding those kind of little instalments of money we've seen from here and there, but also we're, we're thinking of adding um, kind of the extra the extra income of Dennis and Star leaving, so we do have more flexibility with the parachute payments too. There is a level of why not use the the, the financial freedom that we have in terms of financial fair play and so on. And bring in someone that could potentially still sell on, but with that um with that also added benefit of being able to help us now, so it wouldn't it really wouldn't surprise if we do end up bringing in someone in for a for a larger fee at this okay. point fair enough
3: yeah no no there's there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with that you're right, I suppose you know why would you be linked if uh you've got a reason have a reasonable idea of what the kind of asking price is going to be even as a ballpark figure. For these guys, haven't you? And it's it's Gianluca Damasio who's usually quite good on um on us, I think, hasn't he been historically, certainly with regards sorry, that's a complete lie. It's goal Brazil. But Gianluca Damasio <laughs> is another link. Yeah, no, another link altogether. So that's well, good. Let, um let's mention the next one then, Tom. Who who's, go who's, on then. who's Gianluca
0: Damasio uh, who usually is, is quite uh close to these sorts of things Yeah. In
3: terms of um So he is linking us with Nahitan or Nahiton Nandes uh, of Cagliari, or Nandes of Cagliari, um, which I may not have got correct. It must be, he's a a name I'm aware of, but purely because he, quite often last season, when I was looking at players in Serie A, he kind of stood out in terms of his numbers over a kind of rolling period of a month or six weeks. You know, he was performing quite well. Central midfielder, I think, um, more kind of, or not I think, I know, more kind of right-sided um than than anything else, quite you know likes um likes to kind of take players on, quite comfortable kind of carrying the ball um, 26, so you know a, a decent a decent age, I would say um and someone who is quite good in the air as well wins a lot of kind of these aerial duels. So uh, you know, might be that kind of, I don't know if box to box is the word, but more sort of rangy, energetic midfielder that we we could do with potentially adding to midfield given all our midfielders are pensioners
2: i think also quality and possession too some added quality in terms of use of the ball i think it's someone that would that would be a benefit to to a team that's lacking a little bit of that and having the the energy and that kind of box-to-box ability i think would be an asset and it has to be a position we're looking to to bring in i think it's one of the more important ones if you're looking at midfield that's the sort of profile you should be looking at so I think it's a good indication of, of where we're looking uh, and I think that's the sort of deal again we should be kind of going for
0: Uruguayan International he looks really exciting I had a good chance to to, um, to watch some highlights of him today and uh, we always caveat these by saying of course they're the best moments of, of of a player I mean I'm sure you could put you know a decent highlights reel of uh, Andre Gray together in <laughs> and he would look like you know, a world beater but he, he genuinely looked good in this highlights reel there wasn't and I think, like you said there, Jordan, it wasn't so much you know the the spectacular goal that you had in him. It was the um the the work off the ball that looked quite exciting as well.
2: Yeah, no, I I think it's an interesting deal. I, again, this would be an expensive one, uh, but you know, it's there's there's some upside to it, and you know, at some point you got you got to be looking at players that can help you win, and there's there's. There's been more of a precedent set in recent years for championship clubs putting down some of these bigger fees on players they kind of deem mm-hmm. being quite crucial to making the difference between challenging and not so you know if we again it's another indication for me that it is a, it's a decent source that's, that's reporting this is a player again the club know going into this sort of negotiation would demand a large fee or a relatively large fee so it's another indication that that we are we are looking to do so and i think that we should uh, we should take it seriously
3: I just want to add very quickly when I say rangy, I mean like the range of the field, not his height because he's only five foot seven. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, I, it's, I think it's that energy and off the ball work, isn't it? And, you know, kind of not necessarily his technical ability, but so much as the kind of the the physical and, and, and so on and his kind of game awareness and, and smartness and, and stuff like that, that is what stands out. So yeah, it, an interesting one. I, and And I'm, quite excited now by the fact that we might do some business like this if jordan if jordan thinks so then uh, if it is sensible that we might spend a few quid on someone then i'd i'd quite like to see it it'd be feel like the first time in a long time we've really gone out and made a splash
0: nice okay that's uh, some. Uh, in uh, future pods, once stuff gets confirmed, um but shall we answer a few questions now because Jordan put out a message asking for some of those, and we've uh, been inundated with uh, lots of great ones so uh, we'll get through those starting with john um and John wants to say has hungboat or bar ever played wing back and if not, do you think they have the skill set to do so
2: um i don't know if they they don't think they play professionally uh, they they may have possibly played at some. Some level youth-wise, I guess that we don't know about. But I mean that they're still young enough players that you could you could mould somewhat and and find a way to kind of develop them in that position. Having said that, I, I think I think Hungbo is far more suited to it than than Bar. I look at Bar as much more of a of a ball carrying attacker, uh, whereas Hungbo I think has a little bit more flexibility in in his game at this point to to be converted into someone that can do that. I think it's definitely a viable option. And if they're staying around both this season, especially especially Hungbo, I'd imagine it being in that capacity. I think it would be as a as a potential wing-back, yeah.
0: Okay, good stuff, Jordan. Thank you for that one, John. Uh, this one comes from Only Ornitz, uh, and he says, is Watford FC Twitter right to be moaning about perceived transfer inactivity? Is it just something new to moan about now that club communication has improved?
3: Um, I think there's just a, and this, you know, probably is true of all fan bases or a lot of fan bases. And and as always, when you take your kind of view of of what the rest of the fan base thinks through social media, it's, you know, it's fraught with danger. Um, we have been particularly moaning this off season based on the people I follow or the people that are kind of shared onto, onto my timeline. I understand it. I do, particularly when you're you know we're seeing players move out as we discussed at the top of the show, and and you know the only one that really has evidently come in so far is the Vakumbayo, assuming that is all done. Um, you know it's easy to get a little bit kind of antsy at this stage, but I just I just think there needs to be an element of patience and 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 trusting the club. And I I get it that you know people say well they've not really given us much cause to trust them, much reason to trust them over the last couple of years, but you know, I, I think you can you can I think i probably said this on the last pod. You can reasonably assume that they're working on the deals in the background. They're not going to have got to June tenth or June 9th whenever the window opened and sort of all sat down and gone, right, who do we fancy signing then? You know, they're gonna have been doing the work in advance. Um and as Jordan said to, to shamelessly nick a point that Jordan made prior to recording, you know, there are only a couple of clubs that have really been busy at all in the championship. A lot of the rest of them haven't done you know, haven't done much at all and, and, and just because those clubs have been busy, you know, you have to look at their individual circumstances. Cardiff have signed loads of players, fine. But they also let a hell of a lot of players go over the summer and, you know, only had kind of I think under sort of ten senior players left and then a lot of a lot of under twenty threes and youngsters. So it's you know, you just gotta kinda of take it with a pinch of a pinch of reality, not a pinch of soul. Um so I can understand why people are getting antsy. I'm not. But, you know, I think realistically we do probably need to be seeing signings in the next couple of weeks, don't we, to to kind of ease those concerns.
0: Also for a chance to have the players to bed in. I mean, you know, yeah. if we want them to be able to start, and we know from the fixtures list uh, that Watford have got a very tricky opening start. Uh, Sheffield United is the first one, isn't it? And then West Bromwich having in that start as well i can't remember exactly what the order was but i know that it was tricky um we want players that are ready to you know fire and that means they need a little bit of time to get to meet everyone and, and learn what the system is and you know all that sort of stuff so you know the, the quicker they're in the better really
2: it is it is the quicker and the better but it's the same as anything you know if you I don't know. If you wanted to buy a car, like ideally, you'd have it in straight away and not have to wait three weeks. But if you, that's what it takes. you has to do it. You know, you have to just make up for the like in the meantime, just deal with it. And and that's what kind of comes to the priest. I don't know why he's a car carner. there, actually. I'm not really sure what I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> it's because you
0: busted yours recently. That's why.
2: Yeah. If you, yeah, I did. Um. I yeah. My point is, in an ideal world, of course, you'd have the player in as early as possible, but. The more complicated the deal the more time you know if you're involved in these fees we are looking at players that are going to be costing a little bit more the more complex especially they're at clubs already of course that you know not necessarily wanting to sell the play you have to negotiate these things and you have to negotiate contracts and so on it's not a quick thing uh, it's great if you can have stuff lined up beforehand but generally these are the easier deals to facilitate loans free agents or players with shorter shorter times in their contract remaining clubs that are knowing kind of resigned to selling and so on uh, it's not always that simple. When you look at the clubs around us, yes, there are some that have done some dealings early. Cardiff, as you mentioned, but there are also lots uh, that haven't. Not just in the Championship, but you know, lots of teams around around the world are still kind of rare to be inactive so far in the market. So, yeah, it remains to be seen. But I wouldn't. It, it's not the be all and end all. It helps to them to be there for pre season, but at the same time, if you can get good players in the door, that's the most important thing. Uh, also, so, just a slight side note. I I don't know where I posted it. Or I'm, assume, I'm assuming that I did, but I did look through um, one of my graphics folders, and I I do have one made up for DeNeo here. And I remember watching him. A, I remember sitting down and watching a fair bit of him and really liking him. This was when this was he was t- this was 2021 season that I was I'd done I'd watched him based on my notes here, but I do remember liking him and thinking he was a really good player and that he was quite an interesting uh, option for us as someone that was. Uh, Defensive or deeper line midfielder, but quite box to box and and quite aggressive, and just a quite technically talented player that seemed like a lot of fun to watch and would have done quite well for us. So, yeah, that's that's my thoughts and Danio. De- De- while I've got that up,
0: nice, always always ready to give an answer to something uh, that that was asked in the past. It's a bit like that uh, two Ronnie sketches, isn't it? If you remember that one. <laughs> been my age now, and I wasn't even around when that came out. But
2: yeah, you've just lost half of our <laughs> half our listener base right there with that one.
0: It's a great one, Mastermind. Uh, check it out. Um, right, Nick Lansing uh, has a question. He says, in what ways are Rob Edwards better than Cisco, Minus, or worse? Both share many traits, enthusiasm, energy, former players relating well to modern players. Both are inexperienced. Edwards seems a good hire, yet I sometimes wonder if he's just Cisco with an English accent.
2: No, I don't think so. I think I think Cisco, um, whilst it's a small sample size, there was... It, it was clear there were some deficiencies, or just some. I mean, it sound it sounds kind of unfair for me to say this, or patronizing, but I think there's some immaturity to his his coaching in the sense that it wasn't very it wasn't very proactive. Uh, a lot of it was reactive or or slow to react at times. Um, I don't think there was a, there was much complexity. To, to how his teams played. And I think we've discussed this kind of at nauseum. but I think at the time that was what was needed. We just needed, we needed someone with the right characteristics to take a turn of the squad and and make them compa- competitive by bringing in the right sort of mindset and then feel around the club. This time, uh, I think we need something different, of course. And I think Rob Edwards does bring more to the table. I think he's a much more, um, much more granular, uh, detailed coach, at least at this point of his career. I, I think he's further ahead in that sense. Uh, and I think he, he just brings a completely different element to to that side of the game. He also does have uh, a personality. You could definitely see some some similarities there and someone that seems quite open, quite humble, uh, but still quite warm to his players and, and is there and able to talk and is quite happy for them to come to him and so on. But I, I do think he adds uh, a different element when it comes to um, preparation, coaching and uh, tactical adjustments and so on.
0: Good stuff. Um, I, I agree, by the way. I think that, uh, you know, Zisco did have uh, a few flaws. Um, I'm sure that Robert you know, Robert Edwards probably has some flaws as well, but he seems like a more complete coach at this early stage of his career. So hopefully that will be beneficial for Watford moving forward. Uh, on to the next one. Ricky Aldridge says, afternoon, Jordan. Um, there's more than just Jordan on this pod, but uh, thanks, Ricky. Uh, always great to hear your insight on things, Watford. Uh, if you had to pick a back three of the current crop, what would you go for and why? Uh, I, I was I was going to throw this one to Tom, but he specifically says uh, afternoon Jordan, so I suppose you have to take this one, Jordan.
2: All right. Um, <laughs> afternoon, by the way. Um, yeah. Okay. So back three So based. He so said based on what we currently have. Correct.
0: Yes, based on what we currently okay. have. Difficult. Difficult job, maybe.
2: Yeah, um, I'd say based on what we currently have, centre back the central of the three. I I still think Siriata offers a lot there. I know he can be a little bit stiff in space. Uh, I know he didn't have the best season last season, but I think he's, he's, he proved himself very well in the championship. I he did well for himself in the championship last time. And he was, he was a central figure. He was the first name in the team sheet for us. And it was always a a question of Siriata plus one when it came to discussing that kind of lineup or predicting what we'd be seeing in, in the games coming towards the end of the season, especially once Milos came in. So I say Serye is still is still the strongest in that position right now. Uh, I think he offers a lot for us in, in terms of being that that physical stopper. You want him to tackle everything that moves, um, be aggressive, win the ball, and play simply. And I think that's exactly what he does well. I don't think it exposes his his weaknesses. I think it covers him quite well and it's a it's a comfortable position for him to be in. I think that's his best position and I think he's the best or best suited to to doing that role or filling that role. On the left side, I think Samir being left-footed is is a positive. Uh, he, I'm not sure. I think he might actually have a little bit more in possession than what we've seen, uh, just based on the way that we played uh, under Hodgson. I don't think it really gave us much of an opportunity to see how Samir plays with the ball. There's a tendency for him to try to. I mean, obviously, it led to a mistake at one point where he tried to bring a touch. I can't remember who what the game was now, but he was at fault for a goal where he tried to overplay a little bit. and. And be a little bit smarter in a, in a defensive situation, but I think providing the fact that he can play a little bit, he can get the ball into midfield, he, he can be a solid defender. He does defend well in his space. He has experience in the back three. He's played a lot in the back three on that left hand side. For me, he seems the best option there right now. And on the right hand side, I'm probably going to throw a little bit of a curveball and say I think Jeremy and Gakie would be an interesting choice there. Uh, again, you want to look at someone that can defend in space um, and and has an outlet forwards now. At Forest Green Rovers, we kind of had a similar situation as to what we'd be predicting here. Where the left centre back was someone that would, would would play with the ball into midfield a little bit more, could also get up and support. But the right hand side was a real ball carrying defender, someone that can travel with the ball. And I think that's Ngakia's strong suit when it comes to progressing the ball. Not the most incisive in possession. Not someone you're necessarily going to see, you know, playing that ball through through like a number of midfielders to get to that forward or get to that midfielder or necessarily kind of. Overcommit in those passes, but he's someone that can run with the ball, and that's important for us if we are trying to get the ball up the pitch. There is going to be space there to attack. There is going to be space for the ball to be moved forward, uh, and I think he could be a good option supporting whoever's playing at right wing back. And then off the ball, we know he's a good one-on-one defender. He can defend well in space. He's not the biggest. I, I know some people say he's six six foot. He seems a little bit smaller than that. He's not the biggest bodied guy, Um but he can. He does have a bit of a leap. He can defend uh, in in the box as well. And I just think it'd be an interesting choice there. I think it'd actually suit. What Edwards is doing, I think it's actually a better fit for him at centre back than it is at right wing back in terms of his skill sets. So That'd be my back three uh, going into this one, based of what we currently have.
0: That's a decent answer, Jordan. Um, on the Francisco Serrata thing, I don't think we discussed it in the transfer section of the pod, but um, I heard a rumor about him to Brighton. Tom, did you hear that?
3: I did, and I took it out because when I tweeted out the running order, Luwn said that he was pretty sure it was just made up rubbish. <laughs>
0: right. Okay, <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs>
2: And That's I believe good. everything Lou says. <laughs> That's your question answered back to me. <laughs> Sorry, it took me a second to
3: catch up with what
2: you meant. Yeah, I didn't understand what you were Just talking. cut it out, just cut it out.
0: Uh, okay then, Tom, I'll give you a question. Oh my gosh, the next question's a bit weird. Um, <laughs> well, Jack wants to know, Tom, uh, are we alone in the universe? <laughs> um... <laughs>
2: I well, all if three, I've done a crack at this one, don't we? I, I, I wonder if he's discussion. talking
0: about um, how we we haven't made any deals yet. Is, is potentially? I'm remember?
2: assuming he means have we? How we haven't made any contact with life else outside of Earth? I think is what he's discussing. <laughs> yeah,
3: I don't think we are alone. You know, I, I've long believed that. I don't purely on the basis that it is not a very um, sophisticated theory, but purely on the basis that it's so big, I just can't see how we can be alone i'm not even talking about other human beings i'm just talking about some
2: sort of life forms out there you know so that that's where i stand i think that's a fair i think that's a fair it seems to be the common like the the general consensus now is that is the theory that if you have almost infinite level of possibility there's a pretty good chance that somewhere there's there's something right even if even if we're not able to perceive it have the chance of even witnessing it or you know the, the lifespan of, of of another life form in in an infinite possibility kind of sex oh, what the fuck? i'm I'm losing my own train of thought here guys this wasn't the question i said the answer but you know a lifespan of an extraterrestrial could be so short we're not even able to perceive or it could be something we can't even we can't even acknowledge as a life true. form at this point we just we don't really know but uh, i'd like to think that we're we're not alone but that's mainly just because i think it'd be quite interesting to to find out that we're not but um i hope this is what he meant there by asking go. this question because otherwise we have we have gone down a...
0: the what for buzz podcast not just football it's theology and uh science as well
2: what about you matt what's what's your views on uh, on life uh on the yeah we're
0: alone absolutely we're alone yeah,
2: yeah. you think so yeah
0: no, I just thought I should probably uh, Have represent, a, oh. re- re- represent the opposite side. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I mean, I genuinely agree with you too. I think probably, probably there's some other kind of life out there, but it probably turns out it's some sort of plant that is, <laughs> you know, living, uh, you know, several, several galaxies over. And
2: it's why, a fascinating topic. which I've care? definitely, I've gone down, a lot. I've gone down rabbit holes in the past, um, out of curiosity. It's definitely a I don't know, I think we all have that question to some to some degree, don't we? And it's one that you have to kind of discuss. And I think even even a, a football podcast is a is a great platform to discuss it because we've all thought about
0: it. Well, thanks very much, Jack, for that one. Uh who says uh he's a Watford FC fan and the likelihood is he's more intelligent than us and trying to wind us up. So um i think he, he may have done uh he might have, might have succeeded there um right let's move on to Duncan. i hope we
2: answered your question satisfactorily though i mean yeah, if you absolutely. wanted a longer discussion on this we could this time we could look at as a as a patreon thing or um you know just a separate podcast we released just to kind yeah, of answer some of these these broader questions
0: i'll, I'll be up for that well we, we should have specified uh any watford questions but um Maybe just any questions. Oh no, Redband?
2: I I meant any question, any question you, at all. Okay, any question. I'm happy to. I mean, I enjoy I enjoy talking about that stuff. Good stuff.
0: Um. Okay, Duncan Radband has asked. Uh, let's let's go for you again, Tom, because I don't think that was a fair question <laughs> Thank last you. Time. Are you happy with the profile of strikers being linked, and what would your hopes uh, or recommendations be? We've kind of done the recommendations, so just answer the first part, I see.
3: Yeah, I am, and I, I sort of said this earlier. So it's maybe a bit of a cop out answer, but I like the fact that you can see. And I think Jordan said this as well, but I like the fact you can see, you know, a clear kind of um, thread running through all these kind of or a lot of these kind of guys, you know, in terms of stylistic and 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 uh, kind of profile of of player that there seems to be, you know, at least consistency in that, and hopefully that ties in with what Rob Edwards is, is going to need. And certainly from what I understand of how we expect him to play does. So, yeah, I am. And as I said earlier, with certainly like with Adam Armstrong, that to me seems like the kind of striker that two seasons ago when we were in the Championship, we could never have um, hoped to sign. But, you know, his kind of slightly disappointing season or disappointing season at Southampton and the fact that we are now back in the Championship means that that one becomes viable. And I think, you know, that's he's someone that's pretty much a, as proven a Championship goal scorer as you can um yet so yeah I'm 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 pretty I'm pretty happy if I had to to remodel the question slightly if I had to pick one of those um guys to assuming we've signed for Kumbaya already for Kumbaya already but out uh, of the kind of names that have been linked as well though I think I would probably go for Piro just because he's that bit younger um and he's coming off the back of a good season so he's got that kind of you know potential to be someone that does well and gets sold on in the future makes us a few quid, which may upset people, but there you are.
0: Nice one. Thanks very much, Tom. Um, Right. A couple of questions coming your way, Jordan. I'm going to tie them together. uh, Cause we are running a little bit over here. Uh, Jeremy Keats says midfield. Do we have one? And gifts from the streets says who will be the biggest unexpected breakthrough player this year. And he specified a few midfielders, Humbo bar or Queener. So let's start with Jeremy Keats midfield. Do we have one? And then on to gifts from the streets we
2: have the basis of one i think imran loses a really good starting point uh, i think we have some interesting options at attacking midfield i think the likes of esprit are coming in uh it could be quite interesting especially if he kind of does get some starting minutes and, and is able to kind of break through quite early obviously maybe not put too much pressure on him being that he is pretty young still but i think there's some some things to like there uh, and as i said loser being a good starting point all to me kind of depends on that other central midfield position, that kind of box-to-box player. Tom dele is obviously an option there. I, I do quite like him, and I think there's a chance that he is that starting guy. But I do think this is going to be an area that we look to bring bring someone in. Obviously, we discussed already that that position is one that's apparently looking to be filled based off links that there have been in the last day or so. So I, I think we do have a midfield, yes. I think we will have a midfield by the time the pre preseason's ended and we're kind of getting into the actual actual game time. Uh, and I think it'll be a decent one. The question will be... What do we do with these depth players? You know, cleverly Gosling, Kayembe. How are they going to How are they going to work in there, Queener and so on? But I do think we'll have one uh, in terms of the other part of the question. Well, the breakout season. Yeah, who's the most um,
0: unexpected breakthrough player? Homo unexpected Barton,
2: Well, I'm going to actually. Is
0: there one that you you think that won't be one of those three?
2: Yeah, I'm actually going to go off of the answer to my previous question and say this could be a breakthrough season for Ngakia.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, if this is this is based off the theory that I think he may get that right centre back position. My my main concern here is that Edwards could go with Cathcart, and that would be. I think Cathcart could play that position too. I think he's he, he's someone that could play an outside centre back role if he's given the right protection, and I could see Edwards liking him. But should he do what I think he might do, and what I hope he does in terms of using Ngakia there, then. I think it could be an opportunity to, uh, for Ngakia to actually kind of really nail down a role for himself and find a way into his team because he's been so close. In the last championship season, he was just that cover for many years and he had a few starting occasions, but the role never quite suited him. I think this could be, um, this could be quite a, an opportunity for Ngakia to really develop as a player and, and, and find an opportunity to, to be that starting guy and, and really have a, a role defined by himself.
0: Okay, good answer. Oh, I didn't I didn't have Ngaki down as as, as, as your choice, so fair play. Um I'd personally say Hungbo is gonna be a big player this season. That's okay. my yeah. that's my gut feeling.
2: I hope so. I really do I really do hope that he has a, a role um this year and then we get to see him uh, push on a little bit and, and again try and find a spot which which suits him and he can be productive and that'd be great to see.
0: Okay, a question from Sam Copson for you, Tom. Uh, could Liam DeLap be an option for Watford?
2: I don't know if he's
3: been linked or not. I, what I will say is I see he's been linked with Southampton and Brighton, and Southampton and Brighton strike me as two clubs that do this quite a bit, kind of go and buy or loan other club, big clubs, kind of young uh, prospects. He's evidently not going to get much for looking at City with Erling Haaland and Julian Alvarez signing uh this summer or both arriving this summer so yes i don't i don't see why not i actually wrote a little piece about him the other day or a little bit in a piece about him the other day and he's quite you know sort of different to his old man in the sense of i mean obviously positionally that he's a striker rather than a kind of right-sider center back as right-sider slash center mid but you know quite sort of quick quite technically gifted um decent size and and so on and so forth i just wonder with guys like that, you know, um, it can it can obviously work and has worked for clubs and, you know, we've signed kind of young players on loan and they've thrived for us as well. But also, you know, in the kind of cutthroat scenario that we are going to go into where there's going to be a lot of expectation to get promotion, albeit I see Rob Edwards has kind of tried to downplay that a little bit, you know, do you end up then kind of, if, he's, if he goes a few games without a goal, do you almost end up going for the experienced guy and the kind of more, the safer bet, you um, you know and, and and kind of pushing him aside and not getting the maximum from him so could be an option but um i i suspect he probably won't end up here
0: okay cool uh
3: stunned <laughs> silence
0: i, I, <laughs> I was uh, i was reading some of the next questions and uh, uh i think a few people have uh, have really taken your any question to uh, to heart here uh Jordan. Well, okay. Uh, cool hand Luke. He wants to know, will there ever be a boy born who can swim faster than a shark?
3: Haven't we had this before? <laughs>
2: have we? Well, does he mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't think, a, I don't think there could ever be a boy born that was faster than a shark in terms of, if you're saying at a young age, could be faster than a shark. Probably unlikely, right? Like no, you have water same. babies. Fresh that can... out,
3: fresh out the womb, lob a newborn into a pool with a shark. hundred meters, who wins? <laughs>
2: Well, there's no uh, chance. Uh, although, if you know, I'd like to think if you had, I'm sure that you could, you that boy could be born that could be faster than the shark when he reaches adulthood, depending on the shark, I guess. There are some that I don't particularly move. Although, having said that, I feel like a whale shark moves pretty slow. That's not a fast moving shark, good point. right? What
0: type of shark? Yeah. I mean, that's the way to trick this question. Yeah.
2: I mean, what's the, Fire it back, what, are, yes. what does a whale shark max out at? Hold well, on, whale shark top speed. Oops. <laughs> okay four three miles per hour is the fastest a whale shark will travel supposedly wait we didn't speed it. yeah no more than three miles per hour now That's i'm hard. not sure exactly it's hard to quantify what three miles per hour looks like in the water um but i think there's a chance actually yeah i think there is a chance a boy is like a, a slightly broad way of phrasing it too if it's a newborn then i I question that but the yeah. then yeah i think it was like a yeah because Phelps felps reached a max speed of eight miles per hour it's the fastest yeah okay so it would be close
0: apparently a greenland shark is particularly slow
2: oh really i mean uh, what's the yeah. slowest shark <laughs> um yeah greenland yeah greenland shark you're right that's
3: it's about four hundred years old. That's not
2: fair. Well, there is. Did you see that shark they found recently, which they estimate was swimming around in the sixteen hundreds? That's crazy. No, really. Yeah, that was a Greenland wow. shark, wasn't it?
3: I'm sure it was a Greenland shark.
2: You might be able to outswim that but if it was obviously if it was a hundred meter race and you'd be losing pretty quick. So I'm pretty sure the shark the Oh, it's a whale. That's a whale, not a shark. Oh, it is a shark. It is a shark. Okay, sorry. Yeah, sharks are fucking enormous,
3: Um, aren't they? Or can be fucking enormous.
2: Well, this one especially, yeah. I mean, if you're doing a 100-meter race, it's halfway done before you even push off. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, 1.7 miles per hour, top speed, the max is out at. So yeah, I think a a boy could be born that would... If you put every single boy that was born in the pool, eventually I think you'd find one that was adept enough to to be a shark in a race, so... Yeah, yeah. To, honestly, Luke, I think I think a boy could be born that could swim faster than a shark, yes.
0: Well, there we go. I'm pleased we found an answer to something today. I'm,
2: I'm also kind of <laughs> pleased that that was the question you probably put the most research into answering.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I heard some Google. Yeah, there was some typing, yeah. Um, This next one's going to be tough for you, Tom. Uh, David Wallace wants to know where the babies come from.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what have we done? What have we become?
3: <laughs> I'm trying to think of a pithy answer. Um, based on You're Watford, asking the wrong
2: podcast, to be honest with you.
3: Based on What for Twitter, <laughs> there are a lot of babies that fucking spawn on What for Twitter. <laughs> oh, oh. I right. wish
0: that. I like it. Fair enough. Um, should we get back to some genuine questions? Um, <laughs> right, Tom asks uh, What players are we likely to see more of in this season? Uh that's I guess he's talking question. about maybe st- style or or, or, or or position perhaps? Or what any players would
2: like to see more of Okay, so uh I'm guessing he means players currently have we haven't seen too much of who are we gonna see more of this season? Um Yeah, possibly. That's what I'm perceiving it. Are you reading it a different way?
0: I was wondering players coming in like um being signed, but I think you're right. What players would we likely to see? more of in this season. I think there needs to be a comment there, uh Tom. Because okay. <laughs> it.
2: Um, yeah, this is this Tom Bodell that asked this question? It be. Um, I'd say I mean without you kind know, of I don't want to just see the say the same thing over again, but I think Ngaki will get more of a chance. Um, we'll get to see some players that potentially um we could have seen before. But obviously there's something that been out on loan. The likes of Tom Devi Joseph Hungbo, players that we own that we haven't got seen to see too much of I think there's also a chance for uh, Domingos Quina again too, like some of these younger guys that we didn't necessarily have, A, we didn't necessarily have coaches that were looking to use these players looking to kind of develop these players as much. I think too, with the previous system we've had uh, in regards to bringing coaches in, there's not been much motivation at all uh, to invest time in younger players and and try and develop them in in such a way because the, the window they're working in is so much shorter, they know um, their, their jobs on the line quite early and the goals have been relatively short-term. If we are seriously giving Rob Edwards the time to develop things on and off the pitch, then it, it maybe more of an opportunity for us to take some risks on some younger players. You know, There, there are times that you might not want to, to, to be giving minutes to these guys in, in these big games, but if if you're looking at things in a, a longer-term way, you, you might think it's viable to do so. So I think there's the opportunity there for some of these younger guys to get in, get minutes uh, and, and have more of a showing in this year
0: nice one uh just one last question here um and it's from someone called Sapana lee and uh they want to know is x horns employee on twitter uh real <laughs> I, I don't know how we would know the answer to that one uh but have you seen this uh this this uh twitter handle
3: i have yeah <sighs> i'll tell you what i'd love it to be real 'Cause the West Ham ex West Ham employee is an excellent source of information. It'd be good to have another one out there for us. Um, but I'm always very sceptical with these uh, these you know, self proclaimed ITK accounts. So personally, I'll wait to be impressed.
2: Yeah, I don't think anything's been said so far that's not been I mean, if it has, I've maybe just missed it. But I think a lot of this stuff is just kind of quickly reposting reports that have been reported elsewhere and a few Claims that are made, which are kind of fairly likely things to happen, you know. Yeah. Um. I don't. I haven't seen enough yeah. to suggest that there's any real legitimacy to that. There are. I think there was another couple of questions though, Matt. Um. Listen, I did so see there's one. one
3: about Udinese playing Qatar.
2: Thoughts on the fact that Qatar national team are now playing Udinese after the Watford FC cancellation. So in terms of them playing Udinese, I I guess. I guess the Pozzos feel that the the reaction to, to that to a team playing Qatar is is going to be lesser via Udinese. If that maybe there's less vocal opinion based on on this this sort of thing in Italy, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not educated enough to speak on it too too fully when it comes to Italian politics and Italian feelings around in general feelings around um, the World Cup that's coming up and and the matters surrounding that. But I think clearly. As soon as it was announced, there was pretty pretty quickly there was a backlash from large sections of, of Watford fans, and I guess fans in general of football that, that Watford were hosting this game. Uh, it seems unnecessary. I mean, it's not very often you have a, a, a club friendly against a national team anyway. It's kind of a strange thing to begin with. But um, it's just not a necessary move for us. I'm not really sure what the incentive was. I know that Elton John's been pretty outspoken against uh, the World Cup stuff. And, you know, there's always going to be this... this criticism of hypocrisy when it comes to wanting to boycott these sorts of games yet still going to sit down and watch large portions of of the of the world cup when it comes on because we're all big international everyone's a big world cup fan that kind of is involved in this realm not i'm sure that everyone that supports watford pretty much is going to be watching the world cup in some degree um so it's it's a tough one and i think it's difficult for us to comment too much on the udinese side of things because as i said i don't think any of us are really educated enough on that subject of how they feel about it or what's been going on on that side of things but clearly um they had some commitment to doing so and they just felt this was a way of um of still fulfilling those commitments in a slightly different manner i guess
0: yeah one really isn't it yeah yeah it's it's odd for them to um you know to to listen to the Watford supporter groups and turn it down but in some way still accept it you know although it's not you know, it's not Gino Pozzo, it's not Scott Duxbury. It's, com- it's a completely different club that's accepting it, but it's within the same network, isn't it? So, you know, but, um, I, I mean, you know, maybe we'll see some, um, you know, uh, comments coming from Udinese fan groups that um, that aren't happy with, with it. Um,
2: yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sure there probably is some. It's entirely possible. I don't know. It's just a... It's... I don't know, just not a great reading of the room, I guess. I think it's pretty clear in the, in the current climate of things that there's going to be a negative reaction to, the, to that sort of fixture. I mean, it's kind of surprising they went with it in the first place, but I think, did, I think so the biggest thing
0: uh, in terms of uh, reasons, Jordan, was that uh, there's no need for that game to take place. So there's no need yeah. to you know potentially upset people because there's no, there's no purpose for this game to exist. It's not like it's a game that, yeah. you know, Watford are, are going to benefit from, you know, other than financially. And, and even then you can't imagine it would be fast amounts of sums that no. are being talked about. Wasn't here.
2: it at the training ground? Was that what we were talking about? Was it a it training yeah, ground fixture? It wasn't uh, no well, a it wasn't fixture. A, yeah. So
0: why even, you know, risk um, upsetting people over something that isn't going to, to matter? It, it's, 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 it's pointless. Yeah, it all you know, seems a bit odd. Find a club, you know, try and find someone that's going to make, give you a competitive game. Because that's the other thing as well. Would Qatar really give what for a competitive game? Would we learn anything from that game?
2: <sighs> no, I don't, I don't, I don't think so, really. I mean, they might do, but I, uh, they're not really, they don't give us any sort of advantage just to play uh, instead of playing another team you know I, I just think it's a strange just a very easily avoidable exactly. own goal exactly. in my I'm opinion pleased that
0: they've decided to to uh, avoid it but you know the whole ordinary thing yeah. just kind of opens the the door again, again doesn't it but at least it's not Watford that's um yeah that's going through those uh, waters now
2: agreed um uh, we have we have i think two more questions so i'll go for this real quick um first one from the hornet swarm are we to expect only one more signing for another striker after Bayo is announced? So basically, he's saying, Are we only expecting now to bring in one more striker and that's our How business? How many strikers firm? would
0: you want? Four? Yeah, in, t- in general?
2: Four. No. I'd say four on a position flex player. I mean, so four got... and someone that could contribute in a different position as so well. Got so got I'd JP, say four. Ashley Fletcher. And then. And. Yeah.
0: And Bio. now Bio. So one more, I guess
2: plus one more one, and then you also have you also have someone that you also have perhaps if Cueto was to be around could he be using the forward option Um, could well Yasser Espria has played more advanced before as well so could he play there I think four is fine if you have that flexibility of other players too as to but I guess the question is will we get another will we sign anyone else after that
3: I think we've got to haven't we if you look at if you reasonably assume that um Dennis and Sar are going to go as well you look at the left back situation Messina and Rose we presume are going to go if only one of those goes then i guess we we you know we survive but um you know that th- those are those would be areas that concern me and um you know have we got the kind of profile of center backs that we need would be the other one you know it looks like they may now all Sierra Alts is probably the only one where there's a big kind of question mark over, but, you know, Pollock, Troostico, who I must admit I don't know much about, but, you know, certainly Troostico, Cavaselli Cathcart and Samir, well, none of them you'd really consider sort of ball playing defenders, would you? So that, that would be a, a concern for me. And Central midfield as well. I think, I don't, you know, Rob Edwards' quote was about kind of not signing 11 or 12 players, wasn't it? And I think, yeah, absolutely. We don't need to sign 11 or 12, but I would be, concerned if we didn't sign you know at least another three or four uh players that are gonna not necessarily be first team starters every week slot in you know absolute cornerstones of the team but be guys that play quite a few minutes next season does that seem fair
2: yeah I think so and it's also possible this question i'm not sure it's possible this question meant um are we just trying to sign one more striker after bio all, or would we be getting more stri- i'm not quite sure but i think either way um the answer is still the same somewhat. And my cat just headbutted my microphone, so sorry <laughs> about the noise.
3: That is some effort. I think um, I think you're overlooking um, the, the the roles that Ignacio Passetto and uh, Adalberto Penyuranda are going to play this season. <laughs> <laughs> Tom staring the pot. Once That's again. true. That is the yeah. appropriate response. That is the Both appropriate Watford response. Both Watford players. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly.
2: Um, okay. Last question. This is from friend of the show, the Chef's Table event. Um, I hope he's, I hope he's announcing question? that he's
0: got some food for us. Oh, wouldn't that be great? It.
2: A Chef's Table event sponsored meal slash podcast. Please, Chef's Table. Uh, Make it happen. Are there any players from the Belgian Pro League you would actually like us to sign? <laughs> That's uh, <a> good question. <laughs> it is a good question. Do you have any thoughts on this, Tom? Is there anything you have? <laughs> I know it's kind of springing this on you. I do have an answer. If 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 not, I just want to check. I do not. I'll, I'll pass it to you. Okay. One sec. Let me open my notes. I, I think notes I have an answer as well. as well. I'll let you go first. Oh, go on. Yeah, you start, Tom. You start. Oh, yeah. Matt, sorry.
4: I
0: I need to confirm that he still plays there. But... um. It's uh Christopher Olsen. Um, I believe I believe he's with um Andelect. I'm furiously typing and uh yes he does. So uh, yeah, I mean he's a Swedish national, um, he's a, a decent midfielder. Um he, he's a good age, he's twenty-six, he's a decent midfielder, he's a Swedish international, um he has relatively good Numbers. Um he's played at michelland uh and uh in uh, Sweden of course is his his country of birth. Um but he just looks like a you know a sort of decent player. So there you go.
2: Interesting. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah, why not? I always like hearing new names that are coming into the to the forward potential for us. Um Okay, so player I would quite like. It's actually someone I was lucky enough to watch a few years ago um, when he was a youth team player. But uh, his name is Boris. I think I'm not entirely sure. I, I assume it's pronounced Boris Lambert, or as an English person, I'm gonna say Boris Lambert. Um, but he's a uh, he's, he's a he's a central midfielder, defensive midfielder, big body guy. Um, only 22 I believe maybe 23 by now but he's a young player Uh, rangy solid uh, good tackle the ball but also someone that can that can play Uh, he's not the most dynamic from uh, from a defensive midfield kind of position he's someone you kind of look to more pass the ball off but based on the positions we really have right now and the kind of profiles of player we're looking at I think having someone that does offer some of those Kind of physical attributes and a little bit of solidity in defence in midfield. I think we are going to be playing with someone that that has to be able to to cover the wide areas, but also offer that kind of protection for a back three and stop them kind of being a little bit overrun at times. I think he he's someone that fits in there well. But the nice thing about him too is that he's also played a lot of minutes over his career at centre back and outside centre back position. Uh, he's played in back threes before. Uh, he's also played in back fours as well at times. But he's someone that would be versatile for us. And I think finding a few guys that could. For the few holes, especially when we are trying to transition to a different sort of um, sort of system and setup and uh, squad building perspective. Uh, I think having some flexibility would be useful. So, yeah, that's my that's my suggestion from Belgium. Whether or not there's any chance that happening, I'm not entirely sure, but it'd be interesting.
0: That's a good suggestion.
2: Uh, and I think that brings us to the end of our nice. questions for today. Yeah, I think that's I think that's everything. We, if we did miss anyone's questions, then apologies. Um, we'll try and get to them if they're still relevant next time. But I think we've we've gone through the tweet there and covered everything. I've checked my DMs as well, and I uh, then we got to those Excellent. ones too. So
0: thank you very much uh, for those extra questions there that I somehow missed, Jordan. Thank you. Um, well, uh, should that's we nice. should we round this up? It's been going on for about two hours now, so I think we're probably is it that long Is that, out, that long but, we st- oh um, wow okay just to say uh, we have had someone come forward who would like the sock
3: Tom bloody hell this is oh, not wow. a day I foresaw arriving wow <laughs> <laughs> it would be my great pleasure
2: <laughs> I thought we might have made contact with our extraterrestrial friends before we uh, yeah. we had the opportunity to actually part ways with the sock so what were the requirements we asked for re- a review is that correct
0: that's right and he gave us a review gave us a lovely review oh
2: god oh uh yeah. it was
0: it was Chris s. We s i'll read out again because it's uh it was such a nice review you know, did he do it he, for he he the re-
2: sock did...
0: uh, well i mean he knew the he, he knew that the the sock was in play <laughs> uh really enjoy listening to Jordan- <laughs> he knew the sock was
2: up for grabs
0: <laughs> it's an enthusiastic balance i'm not i can't finish it now <laughs> He says he likes us basically. Well, that's
2: okay, um, give, give us. I want to hear. I'm, I'm intrigued now. I want to hear what he's had so at the time. I
0: hear what, he says. He says he really enjoys listening to Matt Jordan and Tom. It's an enthusiastic, balanced, and insightful listening on all things Watford. Always a great analysis on all aspects, from team performance and tactics to club decision making and communication. Very much my go-to listen post Watford games. Now, plenty of serious debate and funny moments. Keep up the excellent work. So. uh... I mean, if that doesn't deserve a sock, I don't know what no. does. No, I think it
2: does. Well, what's what's his name again?
0: Christy S.
2: Christy yes I don't know if he follows us. If he, well, I hope he follows us on Twitter, so we can get in, in touch. with Him on there as well. Do you have any contact information for him?
0: <laughs> yes, I have been supplied with contact uh, details. Oh, thank thank goodness. He lives in the UK. Yeah, he does. He does. Okay, do. that makes
2: it a little easier. Cheap postage, transportation. Cheap now did we did we say that Tom would deliver it in person as well? Was that part of the deal? <laughs>
0: oh yeah, and the handshake as well. <laughs> photo with the
2: sock. A passing <laughs> over <of> the passing <laughs> over of the sock is a is a is a very serious occasion. So I
0: mean we can get that photo fa- photo done. You know, we get I'm it done. thinking
2: like a one hand on the sock of the handshake and the hand sort of situation. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> if if you get the sock to me, uh Tom, I can probably uh I can probably Make sure these negotiations take. Present away. the sock. Present <laughs> Present the, the sock. Is
2: he? Song is, he you know, is he? in sorry. Watford? Oh, I don't even want to give away all his information here. But is he? Is he close to you guys?
0: He is within uh, traveling distance.
3: <laughs> <laughs> within traveling distance. Well, I don't know what traveling distance more is seeding. to you.
2: Yeah, this sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if you mean he's in like, he lives in Hemel Hempstead or if he lives in Liverpool and you can technically uh,
0: near, near, near St. Albans. Oh, okay. Well, this yeah, is, so that's, I mean, you know, that's, that's relatively uh, close, isn't
2: it? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, guys, you've got no excuse not to have an f- official sock presentation should he be up for it. There's also a good chance he doesn't want to be photographed with the sock either. But um, yeah, yeah, that's up to you guys. But I suggest to you.
3: Well, look at the at the moment well, I'm not making excuses but my mum has got coronavirus so I'm not going into her infected house to reclaim the sock <laughs> but when I can I will and I'll get a picture of it before we give it away to Chris um because I think Good it's important stuff. that people see this memorabilia this priceless Watford yes, memorabilia
0: it, it does also mean that we now need a uh, another prize to give away um for the next winner uh, and the next winner is going to be someone who does exactly what Chris does he uh, got on to the Watford FC Buzz podcast on the uh, iTunes section. Went down to the bottom, gave us a five-star review and told us uh, exactly why he or she liked uh, the um, liked the podcast. So if you want to be the next winner of whatever it is we can find that uh, <laughs> has some kind of Watford link. I've got a dozen programs or so that um, I-, I realized have been signed by various... Oh uh ex Watford players. Um players that you probably wouldn't remember the names of. They've never really made much of a You don't like getting
2: them away though, the... do you? I'm assuming they're they're quite
0: Oh, I mean no, I mean it doesn't really matter to me. I mean these are sort of uh players that I have no connection to. Mm. Uh
3: <laughs> like not family members, like... no. <laughs> no, no.
0: No I mean I, I think one of them by Derek Payne. Derek uh, Payne so, so if you want to, if you want to, sorry, Derek. You know what? I can't. I can't. Derek
2: Payne just just pulled his headphones anyone, out at this point. Anyone,
0: anyone that that played for Watford is a OK in my books. Plus, I know what? Derek, so I shouldn't really. Um,
2: anyone that played for <laughs> Watford? Um,
0: I've got one from Stuart Slater as well. Uh,
3: Stuart Slater, that's retro.
0: Yeah, Stuart Slater. Um, uh, Peter Cody. You know, some players who were big when I was a youngster. Uh, a young Watford program hound, basically.
3: <laughs> if, There's um... so many potential show titles in this pod. <laughs> a, a young Watford program hound. Matt the program Matt hound, the... <laughs> no hound messy I like it.
0: Well. It's like circle completed.
2: <laughs> there this is full full yeah. arcs, the origin stories. For the fact. Um if I guess, if anyone does have any. E, any Watford-related memorabilia, which is somewhat obscure, they no longer wish to have, and they wanted to donate it to the podcast to be part of our prize um, for for writing a review. Then, then feel free to get in, in touch with us as well, and we, we're more than happy to take any random pieces of memorabilia we have off your hands, and and obviously it would go to a good cause of of someone who leaves a review for the show. Um, that's it. That's is it, that's that all for reviews. reviews as well? Um,
0: so yeah, get them in. Am I right? It join our Patreon as well. Um, buy us a beer and um, and we'll be very very thankful. Um, you can find us by going to Watford FC Buzz podcast uh, on Patreon or type into Google and add the word Patreon. You'll find it uh, and um, we'll be very thankful because um, we uh, yeah. we do hope to get together next year, guys. Is that next year? Yeah, at some point. Yeah, whenever John comes nice, over, though. we'll we'll make it uh, a thing. We'll we'll meet in a pub garden. We'll invite all of you down to come and join us. Um so we're guaranteed to get at least two people turn up
2: god wouldn't it be eerie? wouldn't it be eerie to see it'd be very strange to speak to people in to speak to people that listen to the show you know I know people listen to I know people listen to podcasts, but to sit down in front of people and have a conversation would be very odd yeah
0: no yeah I mean
2: not in a bad way it's just obviously from our perspective we're just talking into a microphone into a computer, so it's just. It's always it's always funny when we ask those questions and someone replies with what they're doing, for example, when they're listening to a podcast. It's always it's always slightly odd to think about.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, hopeful that uh, that we can we can meet a few people who would be interested in. Uh, probably chatting to you, Jordan. You're you're, you're the bigger you're the <laughs> draw here.
2: I don't think that's even <laughs> remotely true. To be honest with you, Matt. <laughs>
0: Okay, let's put a uh, pin in that one, and we'll come back to it next time. I'm sure we'll have more to talk about. Hopefully, some more signings that are confirmed, rather than just us chattering about who we think could potentially uh, turn up in a yellow shirt. Uh, it's been a, it's been an absolute delight to chat to you guys again. Um, I
2: hope... Yeah, it's been a long one actually. As it didn't as I said until just now, two hours. Yeah, we yes. have to That's... cut that down. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to, to honestly. I think people are more than willing to listen to it if it's longer. I don't know. I like longer podcasts myself, but. Um, oh, also, last thing we'll say: if you're going to the Elton John concert, enjoy. I'm sure it'll be oh yes, a splendid occasion. I'll be there
0: too.
3: Oh yeah, El- Elton John. Um, if you want two tickets to Elton John, I'm not giving them away, but I have two available that I don't actually now need because my mum has COVID that I bought her for a present. So 130 quid—that's <laughs> the price minus the um the uh, handling charges and all that nonsense. I'm quite happy to suck up the loss on that. But if you if this is for Monday, so if this pod is out in time and, and you still want tickets for Monday night, give me a shout at TB Bodell. Is it next to you? Uh no, you don't have to go with me at all. Unless I can't shift both of them, in which case I may go. No, that's why don't you just sell one ticket, Tom. You go along with the with a listen of the show. Um, I just don't get live music. I don't understand it. Why really, did you buy a so... ticket
0: then? Oh, so you could be of your mum, I see, right.
3: No, no no I wasn't even going, wasn't going. I, bought, <laughs> I bought her two so that she, me and my brother bought her them these <laughs> so that she could go and, and take a friend or or whatever um but she, yeah she's now got the, the coronavirus for the first time so and she feels like shit so she's not gonna she reckon, yeah no. she reckons she's not gonna go um oh. so yeah Sorry in all seriousness, so I do need to get. No, yeah, no, that's all right. <laughs> I, do, I do need to. I do need to. I'm not ill. Um, I do need to get rid of them. I tweeted about it, earlier, but no one's. I meant you
2: have to get rid of them, them not that your mum's sick.
3: Oh yeah, fair I right. mean,
0: you've um, got a, a girlfriend, haven't You Or a partner, Tom. I, uh, yeah, well, I do. She not be I, I, in this thought
3: has crossed my mind. That the, the does worst she know? Possible... Oh, she knows. Yeah, I told her. Oh, yeah. um, that, yeah. that if, if nothing else, I'll buy the other one off my brother, and we can go. But I'm just. I love Elton John, but. I don't know, I've never, I've never, I'm sure I've said this to you boys before. I've never been to a gig in my life, and I just don't really, I don't really get the obsession. So, Tom, I think if uh,
0: uh, fifty or sixty year old you, I don't know why I picked those ages for any reason, but if if, if, they're, if they're if, if they're yeah. looking back, uh, they would say Tom, 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 why did you not go and see Elton John at Vicarage Road when you had the chance?
2: If anything, it'd be interesting mm. to see Vicarage Road in that in that setting. Uh,
0: no? Yeah 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 definitely I think you haven't been to any of the previous ones then Jordan
2: no I I, I haven't I didn't go to the previous one no I did not I wonder yeah, who be sat in my I wonder, wonder who be the last one. I wonder who will be I'm sat in my, my
0: seat oh my goodness um, shall we include this just before we go um, very rarely uh, there is a message from Gino Pozzo yeah my goodness Know Pozzo has spoken after 10 years of silence.
3: He doesn't really say anything except they're still sort of committed, but I think it's worth mentioning that it's happened, isn't it?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's, it's been a long time, coming yeah, exactly. It's finally spoken. Um, what the highlights are, I'm reading it right now. Uh,
2: the last line is the most poignant one. Please understand that my will for this club <clears throat> to compete at the highest level possible and to be competitive against the toughest opponents burns as brightly as ever.
0: Nice. That's a nice way to finish as well.
2: Alright. Alright, well, I think that that pretty much sums up everything. Nice long edition of the Watford Buzz podcast, and I'm sure we'll be back to talk at a later date as more news comes through.
0: Right, that's it. Yeah, well, thanks very much for, uh, for listening, and uh, we'll see you in the next one.
2: Thank you very Bye much. Now. Cheers, when folks. Drops in. Thanks,
3: guys. Bye-bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers.